Hey guys, TJ Leffler here. I just want to say thank you for joining. And I want to let you know that you're in the right place if you want to get back to basics so you can get more out of life by doing less than you think. We're going to cover a lot of different things in this episode, but I want you to know that the most important thing you can do is to remove the ideas that you have about the things you're about to listen to, okay? I want you to approach this episode like a child. What can you learn from this experience? I've gone through a deep awakening. I've hired professional help. You're going to hear from multiple people throughout the course of season two, all through my voice and the notes that I've taken and the process that I've gone through, okay? I want you to be able to take this and make it practical and actually apply change to your life. So all that requires is for you to just have an open hand as you listen, all right? I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Also, I forgot to mention that I accidentally wrote a book and I mean that genuinely. We were trying to create a guide for what you're listening to and I wrote too much. So we created a book and it's awesome. It's going to be online at corepillars.com, C-O-R-E-P-I-L-L-A-R-S.com or tjloffler.com. Highly recommend as a gift or just checking it out if it's something that you want to come back to because you like what you listen to. Thank you guys again for being here. I appreciate you. I'm going to let you guys go around and introduce yourself. We have all kinds of certifications, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of education and experience on this call. You guys bring something unique. And I have a personal relationship with each one of you guys, which is awesome too. I've known Jared the longest on this call, which is wild. Asma and I have had a long history in that time that Jared and I weren't friends and we're kind of on different paths and before we got reconnected. And Jess and Kristen, we met recently in the last couple of years and Claire very recently and Ben just through other contexts. So it's great that we have everybody together. What I'd like to do for the first part is just go around the table and let you guys introduce yourself. Just say who you are, where you're calling from, what you do. That matters as far as the context of what we're talking about. This is a peer professional wellness kind of community. And so what you do, including different certifications and experience in education, that's helpful for context. How about we start with Ben? Just share a little bit about yourself and the expertise you're bringing to the table, so to speak. So ultimately, I'm a strength conditioning coach. I'm based out of New York City. I have a fresh kid here who's eight weeks old as of yesterday, the day before. I have a blast with that. I work with people in person and remotely. I operated a strength conditioning facility, primarily CrossFit in California for four years. I moved out here to the East Coast about three years ago for my now wife and mother of child. I've been working with people in person and remotely here, and I do some programming for different facilities in the area, primarily CrossFit gyms. As far as certifications and general credentials, I'm a certified strength conditioning specialist, and I have a number of CrossFit certifications. That is my quick background. What I'm really passionate about is trying to help people not just move and exercise, but create lifestyle habits around that. And really the general idea is to help people try to fall in love with exercise and movement. And that's why TJ and I find ourselves in line. Yeah, 100%. I'll add the small addition things that I love about each one of you guys and perspective. Ben, one of the reasons that I thought it would be amazing to have you on this call is because of shared philosophy and approach and how you describe, I want people to fall in love with exercise. Yet at the same time, you're working with people who you would classify as highly technical, high-performing athletes. And at the same time, that idea of being highly technical, high-performing, and this idea of wanting to fall in love with exercise, sometimes it seems like there's friction there. I love what you bring to the table in terms of your approach to fitness. 
and how it's more than just fitness. I really appreciate you being here. Jess, how about you? I'm Jessica Kaufman. I am a health and fitness coach. So I do primarily health, fitness, lifestyle. So it depends on the client. My degree is in dietetics, and then I have certifications in health coaching. And of course, my CPT, so I'm also a certified personal trainer. I started off as a nutrition coach for natural grocers, and then I did in-person training. And then through my own studies of behavior change and mindset and stuff like that, I developed my own style of coaching, and I brought it into the online space. That's what I do now. I focus primarily on people who've never made health changes a lifestyle. So I help them transition into doing that in a realistic way. I saw a lot of people that go all in or all out, kind of what TJ talks about. So I help them kind of realistically transition so they can be confident while they're doing it. That's yeah. awesome. Each one of you guys, your stories are definitely relevant here. But your story, Jess, of not only transformation, like life transformation, but also physical health transformation is so inspiring. Being a single mother, going back to school, doing all of these different things you talked about, including then going into different branches of medicine and chiropractic care, et cetera, and your perspective and drive and hunger to see other people transform their lives is what I love about you. Jess, I'll add, brings a, a health and, and habits-based approach, whereas Kristen, you definitely incorporate in the medical side. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Kristen. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm also a registered yoga teacher. I've been a dietitian for about five or six years now and a, a yoga teacher for about 14. Then I also do CrossFit. I'm in love, but more so on the strength and conditioning side. I was the dietitian for this guy called Joe Cross. He has a couple films on Netflix. That's what started me up on seeing all these different diets and also the mentality that our clients can get into of all or nothing. I moved to Cincinnati and I worked at a bariatric, so preventing people from having to go into weight loss surgery and also a physician's women's center. And then I began to create my own thing. One more thing to add is I classify myself as a functional nutritionist. So functional and integrative medicine, really looking at how all pieces and organ systems play off of each other. Chris and I have worked together for about a year and she was the one who helped me understand the hormonal imbalance that I had. You helped me so much in just getting awareness and changing my overall state and energy. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Oz, are you in the zone? I'm Osman. I'm one of the chief residents here at University of Maryland in internal medicine. Just a little background on me. I'm very big into open access medicine. I'm in medical education. That's something that I advocated for since my medical school days. Ultimately, I want to go into bariatric endoscopy. And so I think the trend is now moving towards having a multidisciplinary approach of physical therapists, dietitian, things of that sort. These are a few things that we've been piloting here at University of Maryland to not only just help someone from the physical standpoint by performing the surgery, but more so looking at the patient as a whole and taking a holistic approach. Thank you, man. And Dr. Oz, now, we appreciate you being here. I think people in medicine could maybe use a reminder about the six core pillars to basic health for their own lives because they're Definitely. just working so hard all the time. Definitely. Based off what I've read so far, I think this is something that applies broadly to all types of people. I truly believe that this is where medicine is headed. As we have more of these interdisciplinary groups, just like the one that we're in now, 
that's the only way that we will help drive down healthcare costs and make a true change in the people's habits. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Let's move to Claire and then we'll end with Jared. Claire, go ahead. Hey, I'm Claire. I'm a professional counselor. So I have my undergrad degree in sociology and then my master's degree in professional counseling. I spend about half my time in private practice with clients where I work primarily with adolescents, which is anywhere from 13 to 25. I work heavily in attachment theory, interpersonal neurobiology, some of that stuff. You see a lot of anxiety, especially in the teens um, that are here. A lot of poor emotional regulation, not knowing how to even name their emotions. So what I kind of help them do is give language to what they're experiencing. The other half of my time I spend on random, unique, fun projects like this. I help lead some groups for counseling. I help edit and write some books, published myself in some journals. I've gotten actually to do some work internationally. So I was telling TJ, I like to have my hands in different things. I'm honored to to get to be a part of this. Thank you, Claire. We've only been directly connected for about five days. So I appreciate you for being here. And Jared, what about you? Last but definitely not least. <laughs> um, Jared Green. I am a man that wears many hats. I'll try to name a few. But ultimately, I'm just passionate about people. I'm so passionate that I started my own company called 365 Staff. And really, we're not a staffing agency at all, but we work with companies of large staffs. The ultimate goal is to help them find restoration and freedom, because we know that if you can discover who you are, then what you do will follow. That's my main focus. I'm also an ordained minister. In some circles, I'm a spiritual counselor. In some other circles, I'm a chaplain. Jared's story is pretty amazing. He was in the NFL. God woke him up in a dream. And I'm not going to share all the details or, or more information than I need to, but he's had an incredible transition in the last few years and his business is exploding as he's doing coaching and speaking. I appreciate you for joining. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. So let's do this. I want to try and have an open conversation for everybody. Ultimately, if somebody's watching and they're hearing your perspective, they now know your background and point of view. If they hear your perspective on a particular topic, it's powerful because it's rare that you'll get this group of people in one space to give a perspective on something that could improve people's lives. People in their whole lifetime never go see a counselor, right? They don't even know a life coach exists. They may never even consider talking with a registered dietitian or a fitness trainer. People in their whole lifetime may never get to one of you guys, let alone a whole group. This is an opportunity for you to speak and share your perspective. What I'd like to do first is talk the high level on the six core pillars to basic health. Now, these six core pillars to basic health stood out to me as I was doing my own research, and I discovered things that were helping other people who had more severe mental disorders. A client came to me and said that they had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I started learning and doing all the research I could to try and understand what that means because I want to educate myself. What I recognized was that the symptoms were very similar to what I was facing in not just my own life, but in lives of clients, right? Whether it's mood swings inability to complete tasks, sudden brain fog, out-of-body experiences at a lower level degree where there's a level of disassociation, right? Symptoms of anxiety come with this. And it's not talked about much. I want to phrase this correctly from memory and from what I actually wrote, but there's no medication that helped as much as bringing people to full health through a focus and balance on applying 
these six things in their life. And they were diet, sleep, exercise, active rest, reflection, and connection. What would happen if we all took this seriously? I went on this journey and I actually kept a personal scorecard of these six things. And what I started to realize is that these six things, when you actually bring focus and attention to them, are the levers that you can pull when you feel out of balance. As I gained more awareness, I started to understand how these levers work together. A lot of people are missing not just the levers, but they don't even know what they are. What if people who are suffering from burnout, who are overworked and overwhelmed, could have something to use as a framework to approach their life in a new way? That was the goal. That was the hope. Let's just start the conversation based on that from your realm and working with clients or patients. What's your perspective on that? I can hop in as the counselor. I don't see quite as many bipolar clients. I use the term clients personally, but certainly a lot of depression. And obviously depression is one half of that bipolar equation. You've got the depression within the manic episodes. And certainly when we're working with clients who are depressed, a lot of people, unfortunately, do need medicine. And there's a stigma attached to that. People don't want to go on medicine. But unfortunately, in a lot of cases, talk therapy isn't even effective until we get that baseline under control of the medicine. And so we paint it to them as this three-pronged stool where we want to even out the medicine and lifestyle and talk therapy and have all those things under control so you can stand steady. You're not going to get anything out of just talk therapy if you're not medicated. You're not going to get anything out of these lifestyle changes. But even just those six pillars I look at as so applicable for people with depression. I often tell my clients who are depressed that they need to act their way into feeling better. Once they start doing something, that will improve their mood. All these other things fall into place. I'll hop in here, whether you're a chaplain or life coach or a personal trainer or counselor. Once you do this for a while, you start to understand that unless the first principles, the six pillars, start to be addressed, then everything that you're just laying on top of this takes on what feels like a band-aid, something that would cover up a larger issue. These first principles have to be addressed if we want to create any kind of sustainable change for people. I think that's what these six pillars could be. I wanted to just jump in, coming back to a perspective from a functional dietitian. So many of my clients, I would say probably 90% come in with gut issues or weight loss or PCOS or thyroid issues. But what triggered that to happen? was typically some type of buildup of stressors in their life, whether it was a stressor from a traumatic event or an injury or just some chronic stress from work and being overworked. I see that it manifests into a lot of other aspects. And what I have to always start with is focus on calming the adrenals down. That has to be step one. When I'm looking at it at healing some other organ systems, that can be a critical piece that causes the gut to get in balance and then everything else to fall out of whack. So coming back to the brain and cognition, all paths lead to the gut. The mind is a reflection of the gut. Well, what was causing the imbalanced gut in the first place? It could have been adrenals because it's putting excess stressors on the gut function. Can you just explain for the high-performing overachiever who thinks hitting snooze is normal, what you're talking about? One of the big things that we worked on was getting my adrenals to calm down and it changed, but I stopped hitting snooze 
There's two systems, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is where we should wake up. That's what cortisol is meant to do. It rises in the morning, it drops off at night. And that's what we should be able to wake up and respond to. But if someone is overworked and burned out, their cortisol levels are going to be so high for so long that eventually they just start to not be as stimulated or just having some dysfunction. What we need to start doing is actively bring down our cortisol levels so that they're within a normal range. When we're running from a bear all day long, that's our chronic stress. And if you're running from a bear, it's not a time to sit down and go to the bathroom or to go and make babies. So hormones and gut function. So the two that go, adrenals can trigger everything else to go and drive further inflammation in the body. And so parasympathetic activities means active rest, walking, yoga, hiking, prayer, meditation, helping to activate the actual brain waves of getting you more into parasympathetic state. I think this is new information for a lot of people. So even just identifying that there's parasympathetic and sympathetic tone, right, is a powerful concept. Parasympathetic tone being your rest and repair, rest and digest, sympathetic tone being fight, flight, or freeze. Even that distinction, those two things, how we're supposed to be in the rest and repair, rest and digest state. But oftentimes, because we get a text message, our body doesn't know the difference between a text message and a bear we're living at a sympathetic tone and that's causing issues. It's causing issues to be in that space for longer than we need to be. Osman, what's your perspective on all that? There hasn't been a large clinical trial or meta-analysis to see what the effect is. Obviously, we do know that cortisol has a profound effect on the immune system and fat production and things of that sort. Unfortunately, it's hard from a medical standpoint to say that's the reason why you're feeling the way you are and that's because of a dysfunction of your hypopituitary gland, which is what helps tell your adrenal cortex to release cortisol. From a physician's standpoint, we ultimately do want people to live a healthier lifestyle and to take a multidisciplinary approach to avoid coming into the hospital. So yes, does lack of sleep result in a compromised immune system? Absolutely. Does a poor diet lead to changes in your gut biome? Absolutely. I do think that the gut-brain biome is a huge topic for discussion, uh, especially in the GI field. There are serotonin receptors in the gut that were not discovered before. Patients that have irritable bowel syndrome have certain stressors in their life that can bring on symptoms, and that's why you see it a lot in patients that are high school or college students around the times of exams. What I would like to achieve with my patients is taking a step back and looking at their lifestyle as a whole and seeing where we can make micro changes that are sustainable for them. And fortunately, the majority of the patients that we have here in the ICU, they're at the breaking point or they've already gone past the breaking point. So they're sitting here on a ventilator. If I was to look at their cortisol level, it would be out the roof. And that's because they're in a chronic state of inflammation. There's a couple of things I want to point out that I've noticed, and it's definitely to do with cortisol stress levels and things like that. When I go into my coaching, I don't bring a lot of that terminology into it because the people that I work with, they'll just stop listening or stop responding to me. So the goal is to always have them engage. If they can understand, then they'll act on it. I learned pretty quickly with my fitness and health coaching that I had to track and teach them how to manage sleep, stress levels caffeine intake, recovery, and things like that. I do mindset stuff with my clients because 
with fitness and lifestyle changes, if they have a negative mindset, we can't make changes. But the cool thing was when they were managing their diet, their stress, their sleep, their mindset was just a lot more pliable. Like they were able to have more control over it. The other thing I noticed is people that were struggling with their mindset had to manage their recovery and their training programs better. So I couldn't put them on higher volume training programs because their ability to adhere would decline because their mindset would decline. And that's directly to do with cortisol. It's very important to be educated on sleep and stress, but I think it's a really underutilized and underserved field, especially in the field of personal training and health coaching. We're not taught about these things. I only learned about them through my own mental health journeys. And then working with such a large demographic of people that I couldn't change. And so I had to learn more through myself and through other clients, but they definitely matter whether the research is out or not. We're talking about the real practical ones, diet, sleep, exercise, the first half, and then there's active rest, reflection, connection, the second half. And all of these are relevant. These six pillars are by no means one, two, three, four, five, six in order. I believe that everybody will have a different priority given where they're at in life. Ben, though, I thought it was really interesting that you said there's a good conversation to be had that sleep should be number one. What are your thoughts? If you were to create a priority of that list, though you're saying it's not one, two, three, four, five, six, which makes sense, it would be hard to deny sleep as the most important. If you take whatever ailment or condition that someone is experiencing, if you know that their sleep is poor, it seems like that would almost always be the first thing that you would want to get under wraps. I'd be thinking, I need to improve this person's sleep and then go down the line about what else we can prove from there. So you see a lot of athletes come into CrossFit gym. People might be extremely into fitness, but they might not have a healthy relationship with fitness. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? We see this regularly. CrossFit has done an amazing thing with fitness, and it's no doubt been revolutionary, but what it's also brought about is what appears to be some kind of obsession with this feeling that if you aren't lying down on the floor by the end of the workout, then you wouldn't feel as if you've accomplished something. You can be very fit and not have a healthy relationship with fitness. The way in which we'll talk about this with people is what do they think that they benefit and what do they associate the benefits of exercise to be? Whatever it's rooted in, we'll give you some general indication about, well, are we pursuing fitness for the right reason? Just out of curiosity, how do you begin to have that conversation with them that maybe there's a healthier way to approach fitness? Typically, I try to allow for a process of self-discovery through questions. People will start to hear themselves through the conversation and understand that maybe they've been so wrapped up in the general pursuit of fitness that they haven't considered why they're doing it. Or maybe they understand the benefits of fitness are rooted in health and mental well-being. But when they describe what they're getting out of it or why they're doing it, those things aren't necessarily matching up. Just through ongoing conversations and questions, people can begin to self-discover and then we can start directing some of the exercises and the conversations during the exercise around things that we mutually find to be a beneficial uh, aspect of pursuing fitness. Can I say one thing on that? One of the biggest things I've noticed is the lack of education that these benefits that we're wanting to get from exercise can be achieved in a progressive manner where you don't have to start out in these extreme modes. A lot of times people think it's all or nothing from a health habits perspective. That's not a realistic place to start. So it's self-defeating. If someone is currently sedentary and not doing anything, a lifestyle change of walking a bit more, of taking the stairs, of 
absolutely anything will get them the vast majority of the cardiovascular benefits that you would experience from a five-day week intense exercise program that isn't really needed. It takes very little to experience the benefits depending upon your starting point. Yeah, that's definitely an undereducated area, the fact that it can be that progressive. I wanted to share on that because I love CrossFit, but there's the pendulum of it all. The person who's sitting on the couch and not moving at all is unhealthy. The person who's at the gym twice a day and needs to kill himself every day is also unhealthy. But it's not sexy to be gray and be in the middle. It's more fun being on the pendulums. The third thing that I've found has been helpful is stories, personal stories, make them be able to trust you and build rapport. When I was saying what helped me lose weight or lose inflammation, I was eating the healthiest foods in the world. I was working out. I was trying to get in my sleep, but my blood sugars were oddly spiking and crashing. I finished going through a divorce recently and my stress came down. I literally have a photo of me holding my skirt. I changed nothing else other than stress management. And I actually had to decrease the intensity of my workouts and my exercise. It brought down inflammation and weight, which was actually mostly water weight. I think stories is probably the third of the triad of questions, education, and testimonials. This is so, so good, guys. Jared, I know you've had some training in mental health, and you've seen the gamut of people on the spectrum. What's your take when it comes to the importance of reflection, the importance of stories, not just stories from us, but stories that people are telling themselves? I know you have great habits in quiet time and prayer time. So what's your perspective on reflection and even connection? Well, I think that the most important piece of reflection is rest. I know that there are people who talk a lot about sleep, but aren't resting. To find the peace in your life that can then promote health and wellness, I think that's everything. I remember when I played on the Cowboys, every single day we watched film in the morning and then after practice. We were constantly reflecting on what we had done well and then seeing ways that we could tighten up some loose ends on the field. Because of that, our mindset was always empowered. I take that same approach with my life and then those who I mentor, counsel, and coach. How can we assess today? How can we assess the week or the month or the year? I always say that Completion is what boosts confidence. If I can see what I've completed previously, then I can be more confident for the future. If I can see not only what I've completed, but what life has completed for me, that I've experienced blessings or joy or someone else in my life, that type of reflection can really help me move forward. Jared, you're so good at saying it. Gaining mental health is understanding where we are doing well and bringing our attention and focus to those areas, as well as the areas we can improve. Claire, what's your perspective on rest, reflection, connection, as these things relate to needs that, that are clearly evident? The first I would talk about is the idea of telling your story. And this weaves through a lot of what we've talked about in the nutrition piece. There's a saying in the mental health field that the body will keep the score. If you don't, if you don't work through what's going on with you, your body will show signs of it. If you have trauma, that'll show up in things like PCOS or autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's, things like that. I don't want to suggest that anyone with those diseases has unaddressed trauma, but there is more and more research that your body's going to hold on to those things and it's going to play out in your gut health. Even just working through some of that from a mental health standpoint, 
Um, and helping people be aware of that connection can be enlightening for them I and mean, help them in some profound, formative ways. If I were to just highlight something you just said, which I'm not sure if everybody caught it, you said the connection, the connection between what specifically, what were you referencing? They might not have the understanding or the knowledge that their gut health or depression, even their addictions in some ways are linked farther back to some trauma they went through. You're not making a blanket statement. I know yeah. that for sure. When you say trauma, though, can you articulate that? There's anything from what we call little T trauma to big T trauma. Big T would be like, God forbid you watch someone die. You get sexually abused. There's different reasons for why people respond to trauma in some ways, why some is big T to some people, but little T to others. The little traumas would be, oh, I was bullied constantly growing up. My dad left when I was little. That idea that those things affect you if you shove them down and don't deal with that. I work a lot with people on their defenses and what they're using to block those emotions, what they're employing that, again, they might not even be aware of to not feel a certain way. And some of them will use food to numb themselves out while other people use exercise to numb themselves out. Some people will use food and portion control as a sense of control because everything else in their life just feels like chaos and pandemonium while others use eating disorders. What I'll say about the storytelling piece of it, telling your story is really important from a mental health standpoint. The biggest predictor of kids being protected against mental illness and mental disorders is parents who have made sense of their story and who can tell their life story in ways that aren't disjointed, that aren't disconnected, which I think personally is just fascinating. Being a group of people ourselves who have made sense of our story, who know why things have happened to us, what are and are not our faults, the way traumas affected us, how to be healthy people by diet and sleep and exercise, all those things, that's going to have unbelievable impact for the next generation as we try to raise them. So I think that process of storytelling and telling it to people who can offer a listening ear, whether that's a religious group or even one-on-one therapy, clubs, whatever it may be, but people who can sit there with you and just listen to what you have to say, it can rewire your brain and have impacts far beyond what we see. I didn't know that's the number one indicator of children not having mental disorders, but it makes so much sense. A lot of the work that I'm doing with people is challenging their narratives limiting beliefs, lies, the things that are deep inner workings in our subconscious, like anxiety from misalignment, our body and mind being misaligned. So focus your breathing, and now you're bringing alignment and anxiety is relieved. And there's the parasympathetic tone. And now we can access the subconscious because you're not in defense mode. And so all these things come together and the narratives just keep coming up. Whether Ben, you're talking about people who have a narrative as to why they come to fitness. And then you actually ask the questions and something different. Kristen, how people end up working with you and the narrative about how they want to make change and what they actually do to make change. Jess and Oz, there's so many different ways that this comes together. Jared, you have something you say about suppression. I just feel it's such a good one-liner. Suppression leads to depression and depression will have you implode or explode. Please let me know if that's good or not. There's so much truth to it, though, right? Repeat it again, please. Suppression leads to depression, and it will either cause you to implode or explode. 
And depressed is just another word for the body needing deep rest. Oh, come on. Let's just write a whole song tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. So we just go around the table. And I'd love for each person to have something different to say and try and cover the six pillars altogether. Oz, if you could have somebody know one thing from your relative expertise, what would you say is the thing that you'd love to see people do or change or improve? that will really benefit them? I would say make changes in your life that are sustainable. There's so many things that are out there in the literature on Google and WebMD and all this. You have so much data that you can bring in, but it's hard to make the change that's the flavor of the week, the diet of the week or whatever the media will say is hot right now. Make changes that are realistic and sustainable to ultimately see the impact and benefit your overall well-being. That's the most important thing. Well said. Thank you, Jess. Specifically speaking to a high performer, the biggest thing I see, especially according to these pillars, is when they have this fear that if they give attention to these things, they're going to lose their output as far as productivity. And so whenever I'm working with a high performer, I always tell them, if you fill up yourself doing these things, you're able to output more and more efficiently. That's a good point to make if you're questioning or fearing implementing all these things like I'll lose time if I'm not actually working, but you actually gain time back in the long run. Yeah, Ben. I love that point that Jess just made because so many people, especially the high performers, they sometimes feel that their ability to be a high performer is rooted in one of their issues with those pillars. If I were to leave someone with something, it would be this general framework that I approach everyone with. I want you to be able to fall in love with exercise. You may hate exercise now, but you're coming to see me because you're so driven to change your circumstance that for a while you would tolerate exercise. Through our experience, once you can start to have some of the benefits that are associated with exercise, you may even start to enjoy it. And then moving from enjoy to love, I think ultimately comes back to the original point you started, which is why are you doing this? If you start to understand that the reason you're exercising is rooted in something that is incredibly good for you, then you may even start to love exercise. That way it can be permanent. And when I say permanent, it's not for weeks or even a year. I want people to be able to do this forever. The only way I've seen people be able to do that is to be able to objectively say that they love exercise. That would be the goal. I love it, Ben. Thank you. Kristen. It's hard to think of just one. Ask questions. You're smart. So don't just go to a doctor's office complaining that you're having severe energy issues or allergy or gut issues and just be told, eat less, move more. No, demand more. Put yourself higher because that's how you should be treated. Be your own patient advocate. The second one would be to stop throwing things at a wall. If you are dealing with something, work with someone, one for accountability, two for education. I have so many people that come to me and are dealing with major gut issues and throwing in random supplements and have no idea what they're doing or with the training protocol. They have no idea what they're doing at the gym. Stop trying to try to figure it out on your own. The last one, and it's going to make everyone laugh, is start by brushing your teeth. Seriously, you have a microbiome in your mouth, and that's the first behavior that you start the rest of your day with. I never thought about the microbiome in my mouth. I love that. That's good. Claire? Uh, I'm going to give more than one as well, if that's okay. The first, I would say, is to make goals tangible. Ben, like you were saying earlier, we want to set up people to succeed, and we want them to feel empowered to do this. When I have clients that 
said, oh, there's no way I'm going to the gym for an hour. That's okay. Go walk around, go walk down the street for 10 minutes every morning. And the second is just that it's easy to think taking care of yourself, doing these things is really selfish. And just that reminder that it's not to work on yourself, to better yourself, to have boundaries. Those things aren't selfish. I believe that they actually help you love yourself better, but also love and care for other people better because you're giving them a fuller, richer, healthier part of yourself. Such a good point. I love that a woman with a master's degree in counseling who sees clients day in, day out in a counseling context says, have goals. I think people don't understand how important that is. Whether you're doing talk therapy, whether you're doing life coaching, whether you're doing physical fitness, we need some form of goal. Thank you. For me, it's doing everything on purpose. Eat on purpose. Love on purpose. Live on purpose. Walk on purpose. Work out on purpose. Don't go to certain places on purpose and go to certain places on purpose. If we can have that frame of mind, we won't find ourselves in places we have to dig ourselves out of. Yeah, that motivation, that purpose is directly tied to your mindset. We'll end this portion of the call now. I appreciate you guys. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your time, energy, and attention. The best thing that you can do if you got value is share this episode with someone, family, friend, coworker, client, anybody that you think would also get value. If you want to stay in touch with me, go ahead to visit my website, tjloeffler.com, T-J-L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R.com. And there you can sign up to get messages from me, including show notes, subscription to the podcast, weekly letters that I write just honestly, authentically about what's going on in my life or private events that I'm hosting, etc. And the last thing that I'll say is if you really got value out of this season in particular, Back to Basics, my book is going to be available. Corepillars.com, C-O-R-E, pillars, P-I-L-L-A-R-S.com is going to be the place that you can be directed to get access to that book. If you're wanting to go deeper into the subject that we're talking about today, if you just want to have it on hand, it's really meant to be a timeless piece for people to revisit when they need to kind of get balanced. I want you to get more out of your life by doing less than you think. So I've hope that that's a succinct way for you to do that. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. That's all for now. Until next time.